Our New Testament reading today is from Acts. I picked this, um, it's a little out of the lectionary because Barnabas is simply one of my favorite people in the Bible. Acts 11, beginning in the 19th verse. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyrus, and Antioch. And they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyrus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers in turn to the Lord. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Taurus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for the entire year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. The word of God for the people of God. You know, it is words that are so very powerful. We don't realize it. The tongue is the sharpest of all of our swords. It can be razor sharp. It can cut deeper than we can imagine. And when we say these horrible negative things to each other, it has a deeper and more lasting effect than you can possibly imagine. In the story of Victor and I'm going to get his name wrong, Sarabanka. I read this from Faith Life, and I found it so interesting because it is a radical illustration of the power of words. Victor was told for most of his life that he was just a dummy. He heard it all through school. Finally, a teacher said to him, Why are you wasting my time? Why are you wasting your own time. You are just a dummy. You just need to go out and find some sort of work. And that's what he did. Until the age of 32. When a friend of his said, why don't you go get tested and find out why you're such a dummy. So he did. And it turns out that with that encouragement, Victor went and got tested, and he had an IQ of 160. The man was a genius. So he started acting like one instead of acting like a dummy, which he was told all his life. He went on to invent things. He held patents. He wrote books. He later went on to chair an international group that you have to be invited to attend. They have not sent me my invitation. <laughs> because you have to have an IQ of at least 140. You know this group, the Amensa Society. And this was all because somebody took the time 
to encourage him. That is why he stopped seeing himself as a dummy and became the genius that God had created him to be. Victor lived for 32 years believing the negative things, the discouraging things, until somebody spoke words of encouragement. And that's how it is with us, isn't it? We believe those negative things that we hear, and then we in turn start saying them to ourselves. We believe what we are told. Can you imagine how our lives would be, how each of your lives would be, how everybody's life, how this world would be if we chose to speak in encouragement instead? That's why I think every person is truly blessed if they have had a Barnabas in their life. You know, we don't know a lot about Barnabas, but Acts 4 tells us more about him. We know that he was a Jew who became a believer. Many believe that he became a believer on the day of Pentecost when he heard Peter preach. But we do know his name originally was Joseph. That the Christians in Jerusalem changed it to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Because Barnabas always saw the good side of people. He saw past their failures. And he saw the potential, the good that was in them, is how he saw them. It's amazing that we don't know more, more about Barnabas. It has always been upsetting to me because I think he's so fascinating and so vital. He's one of the most influential people, influential men of the New Testament. He played a major role in the early church. He played a major role in the men of the New Testament. Yet he is this obscure person that we know so little about. Why is that? We know so little about him compared to, say, somebody like Matthew, Mark, or Paul. Barnabas is the person that Luke writes so much about because he is the man behind the scene who encouraged great men to be all that they could be. He was behind the scenes giving that encouragement. And that is like it is so very often. You don't see the encouragement that's going on behind the life of someone. One of the first people and probably the person we know the best that Barnabas encouraged was Paul. Now, we do know that Paul was actually Saul before he was converted, his great conversion, but he was the original terrorist. He terrorized Christians. He went around and persecuted them. He was a horrible person until he was converted. 
So it is Barnabas who goes on to play a major role in the history of Paul. In Acts 11, the church of Jerusalem is sending Barnabas to Antioch because they hear of what's going on. It's a place where so many people were being converted and becoming Christians and believers, disciples. In 23, you hear, And when he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and he exhorted or he encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. That is Barnabas. And it was there in Antioch that the disciples, the followers of Christ, were first called Christians. We wonder where we get our names from. It happened there in Antioch. But Paul would never have been there to see this all happen, to witness this great gathering of new believers, if it had not been for Barnabas, if he had not encouraged him. Paul, Barnabas goes to Paul in Taurus to check on him, to see what's happening, to see what's going on in his mind. And trust me, Paul was troubled. Many of the disciples did not trust him, and probably for great reason, right? He had been a terrorist of them. Many of the new believers did not trust him. But if you back up just a little bit in Acts to chapter 9, and then you go to verse 26, you're going to hear, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But it was Barnabas who encouraged him, who believed in him. Not only was Barnabas the encourager for Paul, but also for Mark. And he paid a heavy price for standing by for encouraging Mark. He gave up a place in history to save Mark. And he saved Mark for the kingdom of God by his great acts of encouragement. Barnabas had that gift. That's what the gift God had given him. And he wasn't afraid to use it. It may have caused him a leading role in the New Testament. But that's not what was important to the son of encouragement. Ivan Hegedorn writes in Biblical Messengers of Encouragement, No one comes any closer to reflecting the true spirit of the gospel to the entire New Testament than does Barnabas. Wow, what a statement. Have you ever thought about that? Do you even know Barnabas? He was like Jesus in many ways. Jesus wrote none of the New Testament but he inspired every bit of it Barnabas wrote none of the New Testament but he encouraged those 
who would go on to write the Gospels, go on to write the New Testament. You can do great things for the kingdom of God, not just by what you do, but what you say to encourage those who do. Barnabas made people feel big when they felt small, feel hopeful when they had failed. He kept people going on who otherwise would have just given up. Our Proverbs scriptures today, you're wondering, Beth, what does that have to do with this passage in Acts? But actually, it has everything to do with being an encourager. It was sent to me several days ago, and my light clockwork 6 a.m. text that I received from a prayer and devotion group that I've been connected with since 2007. And when I read it, it made me stop and think about Barnabas, and so therefore inspired this sermon about Barnabas. If you go on to read Proverbs 27, 17, and you study it in this devotion, it said that we can't choose our family. Some of us were born into families that were natural groups of Barnabases. I happen to be one of those, and I'm very blessed for it. But what we do do is we actively choose those who we stand arm and arm with for the rest of our lives. We choose to stand with the believers the disciples, those sitting here today with you in worship at Burge Chapel, those who work in the food pantry, those who are doing vacation Bible school, those who sing in the choir, those who attend Bible study in Sunday school, you actively choose to be a part of them and stand with them bound arm in arm, not only in love, but in encouragement. To be an encourager is a great honor in God's book. You know, Barnabas cared more about the success of others in helping to spread the good news than he ever did of his own importance. He didn't need the resignation. And that is the result of that. His friends are better known than he is. But in truth, and this includes us, the whole family of God is richer because of the sum of encouragement. So take a look back on your life. Who has been the encourager? Who has been the Barnabas? More than one in your life. But more importantly, reflect back through your life. Is there a person who would claim you as their Barnabas? Amen and amen. amen.